0: Joe Biden will be 82 years old in 2024. He will not exactly be a spring chicken, but nevertheless, he intends to run for reelection. Have you decided whether you are going to run for reelection in 2024? You haven't set up a reelection campaign yet as your predecessor had by this time.
1: <laughs> my predecessor need to, needed to, <laughs> my predecessor. Oh God, I miss it. Um, No, an answer is yes. My plan is to run for re-election. That's my expectation.
0: That's his expectation. Running at 82 is very impressive. But more impressive is uh, actually that Joe Biden expects to be voting at 182, which will be much easier if Democrats get their election reform package through. We will examine all the many people who should not be in our politics. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Victor Montero Adames, who says, if women are better than men at everything, why are some women identifying themselves as men? For example, Ellen Elliot Page. Well, that's very simple because they're better than men at being men. That's actually one of the strong arguments for whatever nonsense Joe Biden was saying the other day. Of course, it cuts the other way when you start talking about people like uh, Caitlyn Jenner or wh- whoever else. But, but I, I think that there's a strong argument to be had for them, uh, much stronger than the arguments that Joe Biden gave yesterday in his first press conference as president. We, we had been waiting a long, long time for that. We finally got it. He didn't, didn't really inspire a whole lot of confidence, which is why I find it's very good to have real physical assets. One great way to do that, Acre Gold. Acre lets you subscribe to gold bars for as little as $30 a month. You pay each month and once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they discreetly ship Acre Gold to your house. Just recently, Acre has introduced a new $100 a month subscription to a five gram gold bar. And my favorite product they've just come out with um, amid our nationwide ammo shortage, they have a solid gold 24 karat, nine millimeter bullet that you can buy right now. You can't find anything like these anywhere. They're only making a thousand of them. I would not recommend shooting them. Uh, uh, that's not a great investment unless you are shooting it at a werewolf. So go check that out. I, I uh, really have enjoyed investing in precious metals in my life. Uh, you can do it too. Getacregold.com Michael. Start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar. To qualify for the giveaway, tweet or post why you should be the recipient and mention at get underscore Acre. That is getacregold.com Michael. Thank you, Acre Gold, for supporting the show. Joe Biden finally holds his press conference much, much later than any president in modern history held their first press conference. And in it, he, he didn't inspire a lot of confidence. He, he obviously said that he has to run for in 2024, because if he says that he's not going to run in 2024, he instantly becomes a lame duck. So within two months of being in office, he will be completely ineffective. He won't be able to get any of his agenda through. However, when reporters pressed him on this question of really 82 years old, you're gonna run for president. Joe Biden seemed to add a little caveat here.
2: So is that a yes that you are running for reelection?
1: Look, I I don't know where you guys come from, man. I've never been able to travel. I'm a great respecter of fate. I've never been able to plan four and a half, three and a half years ahead for certain.
2: And if you do, if you do run, will vice president Harris be on your ticket?
1: I would fully expect that to be the case. She's doing a great job. She's a great partner. She's a great partner.
2: And do you believe you'll be running against former President Trump?
1: Oh, come on. I don't even think about it. I don't have – I have no idea. I have no idea whether it'll be a Republican Party. Do you? I know you don't have to answer my question, but, I mean, you know, do you? I mean, look, this is – the way I view things, i become a great respecter of fate in my life. I set a goal of that's in front of me to get things done for the people I care most about, which are hard working, decent American people have getting really having it stuck to them.
0: So, Mr. President, are you going to run again? I'm a great respecter of fate does not does not exactly inspire confidence. That's, I'm a great respecter of fate. Oh my gosh. I, mean, I, I see the point that he thinks he's making is that, look, anything can happen in this world and you can count on some people and then you're going to lose them. And uh, you know, I, I get it. He's, he's actually, I think, referring to the personal tragedies in his life, deaths of family members. But when you're asked the question, hey, you're going to be a little up there in age, are you going to be able to run? And he says, I'm a great respecter of fate. Uh, it sort of undercuts his previous answer, Joe Biden. He he actually got in trouble yesterday because he was giving an answer and he said, "You know, look, when I first got to the Senate 120 years ago, ha ha, and and people are playing this as though this were some sort of a gaffe. I don't think it's a gaffe. I think he was actually trying to make a joke. But <laughs> the reality is, he, maybe it wasn't 120 years ago, but he did get to the Senate a long time ago, and so that sort of self-awareness, even if he's being a little self-effacing about it, does remind you this is a a very old guy by the standards of presidents. And so sure, he can, he can say, you bet I'm absolutely going to run. I'm going to run for seven more terms because he wants to protect his agenda. But I just don't think people are really buying it. Now, what is that radical agenda? Part of it is ending the filibuster to be able to ram through more more legislation than otherwise he would because i think he believes that time may be limited
1: i'm going to say something outrageous i have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the united states senate so the best way to get something done if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh um, like to be able to anyway I'm we're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. OK, um, hang on. Uh, sorry. Oh, sing me. Miss Kim.
0: Oh, man, I'm. <laughs> there, there are some things when politicians flail around and make mistakes and seem incoherent, there are some times when you can just make a lot of jokes about it, you know, and there's sometimes when it's so pathetic that I I actually think it's sort of wrong to make jokes about it. So I'm I'm not going to, I'm actually going to try to interpret what Joe Biden is failing to say here, what he's trying desperately, but failing to say, which is he says, you know, I've never been, I'm not one who can't get things done in the Senate. I know. And so what I'm saying is, and you can't, well, anyway, and then he second guesses himself and he either forgets what he's saying, or I think even more likely doesn't want to admit what he's saying because he's, he's, he'd be kind of giving away the game here. But what it, what he seems to be implying is I don't want to get rid of the filibuster but I know that I have to threaten to get rid of the filibuster to convince certain senators to go along with my extremely radical legislation that I have to pass right now. One, because I'm a politician that doesn't have any beliefs. So I go where the party is and the party is far left, but two, because I'm very unlikely to run a successful campaign in, in a few years. So I've got to get it all done now. That's, that is actually what I think is going on in his head because not that long ago, Joe Biden was saying that he, he was praying Praying to God that, that we wouldn't end the filibuster in the U.S. Senate.
1: Isn't what really is going on here. The majority doesn't want to hear what others have to say, even if it's the truth. Senator Moynihan, my good friend who I served with for years, said, you're entitled to your own opinion, but not your own facts. The nuclear op- option abandons America's sense of fair play. It's the one thing this country stands for not filling the player and field inside, inside of those who control and own the field. I say to my friends on the Republican side, you may own the field right now, but you won't own it forever. And I pray God when the
0: Democrats take back control, we don't make the kind of naked power grab you are doing. So I pray to God that we Democrats, when we take back the field, we don't have the naked power grab that you're trying to do by ending the filibuster, the naked power grab by ending the filibuster that is the essence of our country. It's what America stands for, right? You you cannot speak in more glowing terms about the filibuster and you cannot more clearly state you oppose getting rid of it. And I suspect Biden actually does oppose getting rid of it, but he's obviously quite weak you just have to listen to those two clips. It's not that Biden used to be Winston Churchill or anything, but he has obviously declined. He's not really in control, it would seem, of much of anything. And he recognizes that he doesn't have a whole lot of time to get his, his agenda through. Joe, the prayer is in your power. You can muster that prayer and, and you can actually effect the change you want or the consistency you want and not end the filibuster. What, what the Democrats are really worried about here is not that they're not going to be able to cram through gun control. You know, they'll try to cram through gun control. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. The bigger power grab is not stealing our guns. The bigger power grab is HR one and S one, the corrupt politicians act, which is a huge power grab to upend our election system and all the irregularities, all the shenanigans that you saw in 2020 basically to codify them in law and actually go even further than that. So some people are fighting back against it, including the governor of Georgia, where there were a lot of election questions in 2020. Brian Kemp has now signed the Republican-backed Election Integrity Act of 2021. Uh, This is a, a way to tighten up election rules, to reduce fraud, to, to amp, ramp up voter ID, to restrict these drop boxes that are vulnerable to fraud, to expand in-person voting and curtail the, the mail-in votes, which are obviously right for fraud and, and a lot of other overhauls as well. Some crazy Democrat lady who's an elected representative down there was, was just arrested by Georgia State Patrol after she tried to bust into the governor's office and and oppose this the democratic process and oppose the governor signing this legislation. Take a listen.
2: Why are you arresting her? Why are you arresting, are you arresting her? her? You arresting you arresting her? her? Who? Can you sign the, the code?
0: What, what a performance we're seeing her? here. Why are you arresting are you her? Because she to bust why into the governor's office. Her? Her? She doesn't have a right to do that.
2: Stop. What did she do? Because she's what trying she to do? interfere her? in the democratic what she process. Do you That's why. Because she's leading
0: an insurrection. Right. The, the reason I point this out is not because I think that Republicans have a right to bust into people's offices and, and, uh, but, but because of the obvious double standard, where is the outrage for governor Kemp's safety? Where's the outrage over someone interfering with the democratic process? No, there isn't any. There, of course there isn't any, there is never any, any outrage about that because the, the Democrats define the democratic process as whatever they want. (laughs) So, so expanding the right to vote, defending our democracy, according to Democrats, is when you get rid of all the election integrity measures. And when you try to beef up those election integrity measures and protect the ballot box, that's undermining democracy. When a bunch of Republicans storm into a government building, that's an insurrection. When Democrats storm into a government building, that's democracy in action. And how dare the police. Remember when the Democrats were defending the police on January 7th? I guess that was probably the last time they defended the police. Now it's why are you arresting her? It's all such a ridiculous performance. And I I just don't think that the, the right should give this sort of thing any credence but politics is ramping up people are on edge it's hard hard sometimes for people to sleep easy at night if you want to sleep easy though i have a great way to do it my pillow a lot of people love my pillow because they think oh it's a good conservative company yeah that's great that, that's cool i'm going to confess something to you right now i would shop at my pillow even if they were a communist company i would i would okay because they make the best pillows and that's just the way it is and my wife and i fight over them and that's fine too I don't, I don't even care that this has brought strife to my marriage. I guess I could just buy another pillow, couldn't I? You got to check them out. They don't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want. They maintain their shape. If you do not have a MyPillow, if you know someone who doesn't, now is the time to get one because for a limited time, MyPillow is offering their premium MyPillows, for the lowest price ever. You can get a queen size premium My Pillow regularly, $69.98 for only $29.98. That's $40 in savings kings or $5 more. They're going to extend their 60 day money back guarantee, but who cares? You're not going to, you're not going to use it. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listeners square. There you will find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. I cannot recommend these products highly enough. Call 800-651-1148. Use promo code DailyWire and think of me every time you put your head on your pillow glad to see that Governor Kemp in Georgia is taking election integrity seriously now I wish he had taken election integrity seriously earlier sure would be better he would have faced a lot less criticism from conservatives but he he should get credit for taking it seriously now this is a very important bill I hope that there are similar laws passed throughout the country and I hope that Republicans fight tooth and nail to prevent HR1 and SB1 the the Corrupt Politicians Act from becoming law, because this is such a fundamental transformation of our elections that it would, it would put Republicans, not just at a permanent disadvantage, it would, it would upend our, our constitutional order. So CNN, very upset about this. John Kasich, you know, that Republican John Kasich, he showed up on Don Lemon's show on CNN to express his absolute fury over measures like the one in Georgia to protect our elections.
2: That isn't right. Have them show some form of identification, but doesn't have to be a picture. That apparently is in that, along with uh, limiting voting on Sunday, which is also, I don't like either that either. Let people vote. So well, then what is going on here? I mean, as a, you're still a Republican, right? You, you have a, there are some people yeah, who come I, on to say that. Yeah, a very good one.
0: I'm a Republican. Of course, I'm a very good Republican. That's my job. I'm the sort of Republican who goes on CNN to bash Republicans. Oh, hey, John, who'd you vote for last time? Oh, he voted for, let me check. Uh, he voted for Joe Biden. Oh, okay. You're not a Republican then. That's <laughs> just that you're not, you, you are a Democrat. You pretend to be a Republican so that you can go on Democrat networks and give fake opposition And pretend that there is some dialogue happening when there's not. You're all on the same team. You're all supporting the same agenda. You're all supporting the same politicians and opposing the same politicians. John Kasich, not the only one, not the only court jester conservative who pretends to, to be a Republican, but in actuality exists only to legitimize the existing Democrat regime. Michael Steele, former chairman of the Republican National Committee, He doesn't do this for CNN. He does this for MSNBC. And he said that this election integrity measure in Georgia, this is totally going to alienate black voters.
2: The question to Republicans in Georgia and Arizona and elsewhere that are, are taking rights, voting rights away from black people across this country in places like Philadelphia, Atlanta, uh, uh, Detroit, um, how do you think this ends? How do you think this ends for you? Do you think you think black folks are just gonna sit by and just let you get away with this? Do you think the bishop and others are just gonna say, Oh, God, well, I guess there's nothing we can do. The Georgia legislature just passed this and the governor signed it. Every last one of your names go on a ballot. Enjoy your time in office because you're gonna see the power of the vote come back on you like a hammer. Like a hammer. For the action you've taken and the bill that was signed into law today, it is antithetical to everything our party has stood for in its history. And it's antithetical to everything this country has stood for.
0: Is that so, Michael Steele, good Republican on MSNBC? He's just, look, he's expressing outrage here not outrage of the Democrats, but of the Republicans. I think we can all agree that what this Republican governor did is terrible. Even Republicans like Michael Steele. Hey, Michael Steele, who'd you vote for last time? Oh, you voted for Joe Biden. Oh, okay. All right. So you're not, you're not a Republican. You're a Democrat who worse than the other Democrats on this network pretends to be a Republican. You are a court jester conservative. You are a, a fake opposition that exists to legitimize the ruling regime. And worse yet, Michael Steele is performing his role by trying to arouse racial tension. Say the black voters, they're never going to forgive the GOP for passing voter ID laws. Is that so? Is that so? Because I just saw a poll that came out from HEP, HEP Action Survey, not just a few days ago, that said that the majority of Americans, including a majority of black and Hispanic voters, overwhelmingly support voter ID. We mentioned this on the show a few days ago. 77% of Americans support voter ID. Only 15% of Americans oppose voter ID. 92% of Republicans support voter ID. 64% of black voters support voter ID. So this, this idea that black Republicans are going to turn on, on Brian Kemp for this? Turn on Republicans? Is, that's preposterous. But it's also preposterous to say that black voters in general, who's, who skew overwhelmingly Democrat, that black voters in general are gonna turn on people because of voter ID. Black voters support voter ID. The only people who oppose voter ID are illegal voters who Democrats use to puff up ballot boxes. That's no crazy conspiracy theory. Democrats have been doing that for a very long time. You can read Robert Caro's biography of Lyndon Johnson, where he describes in excruciating detail how Lyndon Johnson stole the 1948 Senate election. Lots, lots of nonsense, but it's, it's a way to pretend, you know, to speak from authority. Uh, Well, as the authority on Republicans, as the authority on black voters is that, no, you're not an authority on anything. You're a, a Democrat commentator now who pretends to be a Republican on MSNBC or John Kasich is a Democrat commentator who pretends to be a Republican on CNN. But in terms of what actual Republicans think and more broadly, what actual voters think, quite different. Those guys, that fake opposition, those court jester conservatives are not the future of the GOP. They don't know anything about the future of the GOP. They are the failed past of the GOP. John Kasich does not speak for Republicans. (laughs) I think the 2016 primaries should show us that and the fact that he switched sides. That, that old thing that we've been talking about, you know, before Trump, the failed GOP of John McCain, 08, Mitt Romney, 2012, losing with dignity. What dignity? I don't think that's dignified at all. That's at the minute that they have a candidate who actually could win for the first time in a couple, few cycles, what do they do? They turn on him. They vote against him. Speaking of polls showing some good news for Republicans among minorities, a new poll that was released this week shows that Latino voters in California, these voters that Gavin Newsom's counting on, he keeps also trying to inflame racial tensions and say that the recall against him is just because white people are upset about the browning of California. And that's why Hispanics, you know, they hate you Hispanics. You got to vote for me, Gavin Newsom. Well, new poll shows Latino voters, they're not they're not less likely than other voters to vote for Newsom's recall. They're actually more likely than other racial groups. The Probalski Research Center is a nonpartisan Latina and woman-owned firm. So it checks all the, the PC boxes. Uh, they have no client in the recall election, and they find that Latinos, more than other racial groups, are leaning toward recalling him. All of this to say, I think that when liberal, squishy, fake Republicans like Kasich or or Steele or any of these other people say that, you know, the way for Republicans to woo minorities is to basically become Democrats, I think that's ridiculous. And when identitarian types say that there's no way whatsoever for Republicans ever to woo minorities, I think that's ridiculous too. If you just, if you look at the way the votes go, it's very tricky. It might, it it might not work out in the end, but certainly you can grow your base of support as a conservative among minority groups. Donald Trump did that. He didn't do enough to push him over the edge in the election, though actually the only group he really lost support among in 2020 was white men. So if he could have solved that problem, he would have looked pretty good. I don't think that the way for Republicans to do better among black voters, especially, but also they don't, they don't do particularly well among Hispanic voters. I don't think the way to do better is through pandering. I don't think racial pandering is going to do it. I don't think extolling the virtues of tax cuts and tax cuts alone is going to do it. I don't think that abstract philosophizing is going to do it. Purely abstract notions. I think practical politics are going to do it. I think, pre- I think getting down into the nitty gritty of look at what this guy is doing to this state. Look at what crazy nonsense these people are teaching our children. There was, there was a, a Democrat representative who went on Tucker Carlson show the other day who said, one thing that the white progressives in my party don't understand is black Democrats are much more conservative on a lot of issues than the white progressives who lead the party. I think re- Republicans have, have a way in there but the way that a lot of Republicans think they're going to win minority voters is by becoming more liberal. I don't think that's the case. I think the way they're going to come in is by speaking more plainly about practical things, about cultural issues that matter. That is a way to do it. That's what Donald Trump did. And he actually did make inroads among those racial groups. If only the fake court jester conservatives on CNN and MSNBC took note, they probably don't care to take note because I don't think they want the Republicans to do much better. These, these racial narratives are simply ridiculous. Andy No, my friend, you know, my friend Andy No, that white supremacist, according to the left-wing media, he's a, he's a, a kind of a curious white supremacist since he's not a white guy, but they call him that. He's far right. I don't even, I don't even know if he's really that right wing. He just opposes Antifa. He opposes political violence. He's one of the few journalists in the country who will go out there and actually chronicle what Antifa is doing. He's got a great book about this now. He points out that a lot of the racial narratives we're being told are just ridiculous. He, He tweeted the other day, he said, I'm hearing it repeated as gospel truth that nearly all American mass shooters are white. Here are the photos of mass shooters from 2019 defined as four or more shot in a single incident. It shows quite a diverse set of faces. And you see, when you're looking in there, you see white people, You see a lot of black people. You see what looks like some maybe Hispanic people, some other races in there as well. Andy Ngo is now being accused of defending white supremacy for stating what? For stating a fact, for just portraying, depicting the number of the, the types of people, the races of people, the background of people who have committed these shootings. Yes, that's what we're being told. We're being told that Racial bigotry is not just when you antagonize someone for their skin or you hate someone because you're making things up. Even when you just state facts, (laughs) even if you just name people who commit these crimes, if you contradict the dishonest left-wing narrative, that is somehow bigoted and wrong. Mina Harris, who is a a niece of Kamala Harris, she, she tweeted out after the horrible shooting in Colorado. She tweeted out about how this, this involved white supremacy and it was so terrible. Then it turned out the shooter was not a white supremacist. He was a Syrian immigrant actually. Was not a Christian nationalist. He was a member of a different religion. And so she, she deleted the tweet, but she didn't really apologize. She, she tweeted, she said, I deleted a a previous tweet about the suspect in the Boulder shooting. I made an assumption based on his being taken into custody alive and the fact that the majority of mass shootings in the US are carried out by white men. So pause right there. The majority of people in the United States are white. So uh, it, it would follow that crime would be committed by the proportion of the population. But it turns out when you look at the number of mass shootings in the United States, white shooters are underrepresented given the percentage of people in the United States that are white. I don't think that mass shootings are, are a uh, primarily a product of race, but Mina Harris does. And it turns out Mina Harris is completely wrong on, on all of those counts. She says, yeah, okay. I deleted that tweet because I, I just made something up and was prejudiced against a racial and sexual group. I was bigoted against them, but my bigotry is justified. That's what she's saying. She's saying my bigotry is justified. And you people who want to wait for the truth to come out, you're, you're, you're just, what are you, you're defending white supremacy or something like that. Speaking of bigotry against a group of people, is there any more persecuted group in this country than Christian bakers? (laughs) This poor guy, You know Jack Phillips, he is the, the guy who runs Masterpiece Cake Shop. We've had him on this show before years ago. Jack Phillips, he's a Christian guy, he's a baker, and political radicals keep targeting him. So for a while, these, these activists trying to redefine marriage, they go into his bake shop, they say, we want you to create a custom cake for our gay wedding. And Jack Phillips said, well, you know, I, according to my religious lights, the phrase gay wedding is, is, is nonsensical. Uh, because marriage involves the sexual difference and moreover my religion tells me I can't participate in that ceremony so sorry I can't I, 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 you can buy any of our cakes but I can't per, I can't contribute my art toward this, this ceremony that I I view with moral opprobrium so he gets sued goes all the way up to the court he's been litigated all this there are plenty of bakeries around Jack Phillips. There are plenty of other bake shops that they could go to that would participate in the ceremony. Jack Phillips doesn't want to, but it's not enough. It's not enough to say live and let live. Okay, I do what I want to do. You do what you want to do. That's just not how politics works. And the the left understands this and the right, I think, doesn't really understand this. Jack Phillips must be made to violate his moral conscience. If this Radical political regime is to survive and flourish. Jack Phillips must be brought down. He must be made to obey the politically correct dictates of the day. So now they're suing him again. Some lawyer calls him up and says, hey, I want you to bake a cake that celebrates a gender transition. Jack Phillips says, I, I can't do that. I think that's wrong, violates my conscience. I don't, I also don't think it's possible. So I'm not, I I can't do that. You can buy any of our cakes, but I can't participate and create a custom work for you. So he's getting sued again, all in the name of, of tolerance, all in the name of liberation. The people who are doing this, who are persecuting Jack Phillips for his religious views and not even just his religious views, but for defending the traditional American way of life for defending a view of sex and nature and marriage that has been held by everyone everywhere at all times in history, except for like five minutes ago, right here in the West. The people doing that really think they're the good guys. They really think that by ruining this baker's life, they are the good guys. It's like that old sketch. You know, they don't, they don't realize they're the baddies They're just nice guys. Joe Biden thinks he's a nice guy by creating this horrible problem on the southern border. Joe Biden was asked in that disastrous press conference, what about the southern border? The president of Mexico is saying you're to blame for this. Come on, isn't this your, isn't this your fault? He says, no way, I'm a nice guy.
1: Well, look, I guess I should
0: be flattered. People are coming because I'm the nice guy.
1: That's the reason why it's happening. That I'm a decent man or however it's phrased. That's why they're coming because no, Biden's a good guy. Truth of the matter is, nothing has changed. As many people came, 28 percent increase in children to the border in my administration, 31 percent in the last year of in 2019, before the pandemic, in the Trump administration. It happens every single solitary year. There is a significant increase in the number of people coming to the border in the winter months of January, February, March, it happens every year. In addition to that, there is a, and nobody, and by the way, does anybody suggest that there was a 31% increase under Trump because he was a nice guy and he was doing good things at the border?
0: That's not the reason they're coming. So this stuff just isn't true. Sure, the numbers can go up and down and up and down, but the idea that the, the number of people crossing the border illegally has not spiked because of Joe Biden after Joe Biden was inaugurated. That's just ridiculous. The Mexico president says that's ridiculous. Even Jake Tapper on CNN is willing to admit that's ridiculous. They're not getting across the border. A vast majority of families are being sent back. Is that true, Daniel? Jake, that was not true in February, which is of course the last month for which we have a full month's data. According to official statistics, it was 41% of migrants, so not a majority, who came in February as part of family units who were swiftly sent back. So many, so many other problems with with, what Joe Biden's saying. But most he says, look, because I'm a decent man, because I'm a nice man, that I'm flouting our laws that were passed in our constitutional democratic republic. That I'm creating awful conditions, far worse for the children detained than under Trump. That I'm incentivizing this horrible thing and empowering coyotes. No, it doesn't make you a nice guy. It doesn't make you a decent guy. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I don't think Biden even has those. It's a naked power grab. And Biden, Biden isn't selling it even well enough to convince CNN. Come on, man. Come on, man. Ben will be talking about Biden's press conference today and, and he will be surmising that perhaps This is evidence that Joe Biden is in slight decline, you might say. Uh, So check out Ben's take. Also, you can get very excited. Tonight is the premiere of episode two of Candace, Daily Wire's new talk show hosted by Candace Owens. The show will live stream over at dailywire.com at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, featuring special guests, John Rich, Bryson Gray, Brandon Tatum, and me. That's right. You can get me on there. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Tune in at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central to catch an all new episode of Candace's new show. Are you not a member yet? Are you crazy? Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Get 25% off a new membership with code Candace. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. 25% off with code Candace. And if you missed tonight's episode, there's always the podcast version that's going to drop Saturday mornings. A podcast is great. Jump to the top of the charts at number two. But if you want to watch the whole episode, you got to go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with the mailbag. Welcome back to the mailbag. First question from Jake, dear Michael, I'm personally not a religious person and I am personally an atheist. In your podcasts, you mentioned that the leftist side of the political establishment wants to get to the children through educational facilities. The reason for this is because younger children are easily impressionable and therefore it's a form of indoctrination. So my question is, couldn't that be said of normal religious practice? Most children follow the religious beliefs of their parents. Essentially, If it was a flip of the coin, someone who's Christian could easily be of Muslim or Sikh faith if they were simply born into a different household that held those religious views, which shows that faith is more dependent on luck of the household you were born in than any other factor in most cases. What, what do you believe is the difference? Thanks. Love the show. First of all, you're right that people try to get to children if they want to educate them, but that's not a bad thing in and of itself. That's just what education is you, children will be educated. (laughs) They, you have to, I mean, that's just part of growing up and you will either be educated in the right way or the wrong way. You, you will, children absorb everything around them. They will be taught things. They will learn things. That's just what children do. And so the question is, do you teach them true things and good things and beautiful things? Or do you teach them false things and, and ugly things that what the left is doing is going in and, and perverting education. But I don't think it's wrong of them to go in and indoctrinate Children, I don't think that's a wrong idea. Indoctrination and education mean the exact same thing. They both come from the very same verb. All education is coercive and you you don't get to freely choose your education either because part of education is learning how to master your will and develop your higher faculties of reason. So you can't, you can't really do that when you're three years old or five years old and you start kindergarten. The the question of religious faith is just a matter of how you were born. Maybe that's true for some people. It's not not true for me. I I was an atheist for 10 years. Uh, Many of my friends are converts or reverts. Uh, Most people I know who are are really to take their religious and spiritual lives seriously, maybe the majority of them, certainly a huge proportion of them, uh, do not hold the religious views that they held when they were kids. Also part of education, though. The, the more you are educated, the more you will be in command of your higher faculties and your will. I remember when I was 13 years old and very prideful, though not particularly educated, uh, I, I was really taken in by the new atheists, those guys, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens and all that, and uh, I read their books, some of them, and, and it was really convinced. And then I just realized that the arguments against God are weak. Uh, they don't. They don't. There really aren't any, and, and the arguments for God are really strong. And the the thought of someone like Saint Thomas Aquinas is a little bit more persuasive than the thought of I don't know, <laughs> Sam Harris <laughs> or somebody. Uh, so that that is part of education. But you you're not going to. You don't just begin from the perspective of okay, I'm a fully formed person. I I totally know everything. Now I can begin my education. No, your education is what brings you to that point. So I don't think there's anything wrong about it. I think rather than saying we need to get the left out of the schools, we need to say, "No, no, no, we need to get the left out of the schools and we need to go into the schools and we need to write the curricula. It's not enough to make formal procedural arguments. We have to actually have something to say. We have to say, believe this, don't believe that. And some, some conservatives are not willing to accept that eternal fact. From Paul, Michael, I'm an 18 year old and I have come to doubt the Mormon faith in which I was raised. I would like to explore other Christian churches to see if I at least believe in Christ. This has become a major point of tension with my parents, and I don't know how to get them to respect my religious freedom and beliefs. What advice do you have for me? Thanks for all you do. I love the show. This is very difficult. Can't blame your parents necessarily if they're not immediately accepting that, that you have a different view of the world than they do. But uh, Christ comes not to bring peace, but a sword. And if you do not hate your father and mother, uh, you, you cannot follow him. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you need to be mean to your parents at dinner? No, that's not, not what he's saying. But you need to recognize that you, you owe loyalty and duty and, and love to your family and to your community and to your country. But ultimate, your ultimate uh, duty and, and the ultimate love is for God. God. God is love itself, right? So that that is your higher obligation and and you you have to pursue that light. I mean your, your soul will depend on it. <laughs> and, uh, and that, that is the, the higher obligation. We all have to love our neighbor as ourselves, but first we have to to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul. So uh, I, I wish you luck. I will uh, I can pray for you. From Brent, hey, Michael, I know your prior thoughts on the criminalization of flag burning. Oh yeah, I think, I think it would be perfectly fine to criminalize flag burning for those who haven't, (laughs) haven't heard this thought before. But I heard a good argument that changed my mind on this and was wondering if you would feel the same. Basic argument is that some places can't verbally say anything bad about their leaders without punishment. So if you are able to burn the flag in the USA without punishment, just shows how great this country is compared to all the others. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. Thank you for the show. I enjoy it even though all the other personalities at the Daily Wire tell me I shouldn't. Yeah, there's a difference here. I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to burn a picture of Joe Biden or burn a picture of Donald Trump or burn the symbol of some politician or other politician. What I'm saying is that there is a categorical difference between a representation of politicians and a representation of the country itself. And to burn the American flag, to invoke the First Amendment as a justification for burning the symbol of the country which, without which the First Amendment would not exist, is an incoherent action. And no country can survive if it hates itself. It it is, it is an act that, that makes uh, no sense, that that will destroy a country if you have people who disdain their very country and who destroy symbols of it. So I just think it's, it's totally different, which is why there were laws against burning flags for for most of our country's history until very recently, and it's, it's why so many conservatives on the Supreme Court uh, disagreed with the, with the idea that you should be able to burn the flag or that you could burn the flag as a matter of constitutional principle. Scalia notably thought that the First Amendment protects flag burning, though this was not totally in keeping with conservative uh, legal tradition. And I'm not, not totally sure he got this one right. But even, even if he did get it right, I just think you could, you could pass an amendment saying, okay, but uh, you're not going to burn the flag. And I think that would matter. And I think that conservatives who say, oh, forget about it. It's just a symbol. Forgetting about symbols, forgetting about cultural matters (laughs) is how we've lost the entire country through political correctness, a process that I detail, by the way, in my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. So I I think that uh, the days of the egghead conservatives who all they care about is you know, tweaking a few aspects of administrative policy and lowering taxes. I think their days are over. I just think they, they lost the whole country. And now we need to get much more serious about culture and about symbols and the way, the way we think about the country itself. From Mason, Mr. Knowles, oh, speaker of truths. I recently finished my first novel and was planning on publishing it through Amazon. Though it is a work of fiction, now I'm not so sure that it is the route to go. Since it speaks to conservative topics, such as being made in God's image and the dangers of China's policy of technological theft. Obviously, Amazon's actions in recent months uh, make me hesitate to use them, even though they remain the best means to distribute my work to the masses. Any thoughts you have on the subject are appreciated. Well, I think unless you are an extremely prominent, established writer already, your, your odds of being canceled by Amazon are, are relatively low. So if they're gonna offer you an opportunity to get your work out there, I don't see any reason not to do it. And moreover, at least for now, conservatives, or rather Amazon is not canceling and banning books on all manner of conservative topics, just a very narrow matter of them. There, Amazon is banning the, the transgender debate. Uh, Ryan Anderson's book, When Harry Became Sally, that one's being banned because it's such a hot issue. The left has absolutely no argument on it. It's really that kind of an argument, especially given in such a scholarly way as Ryan Anderson's book, that is a real threat to the ruling regime and this, this dominant ideology. So they're going to kick that out. The, they, they flex their muscles on, on lots of issues, but you know, they're not, they're not doing it for everyone, for every conservative issue at all times. So I I wouldn't worry about that too much. I would try to get your work out there, your art out there, and then worry about getting canceled when that comes. From Varinder, dear Mr. Knowles, I was wondering about you as a religious person. What are your views on the non-Abrahamic Eastern religions, such as Buddhism, Hinduism, and Sikhism? Also, I heard you like Indian food. What would you normally order at an Indian restaurant? Uh, came for Ben, stayed for Michael, subscribe for Candace. Oh, thank you. Well, I'll answer the latter question first. I refer very uh, reverently to most Indian food as various colors of goop and I've visited with my Indian friend, I've visited India before, and I, st- I never can remember the name. So I'll say like, oh, I like the green goop and I like the the orange goop. I probably would get sa- sag paneer, I always go for that. I'd probably get, I'm kind of a basic American guy, so I'd probably get like a chicken tikka masala sort of thing. Get some of that delicious naan, you know, I, I can I can get into Indian food. I really like that. And as far as the non-theistic religions, I do have uh obviously I don't agree with them and I don't believe in them and I'm not a, not a member of those faiths. Uh, however, I, I do think that non-theistic religion uh, can tell us something about the world and actually can point toward theistic religion and specifically Christianity. There is, I, I visited Varanasi, which is the sort of, ancient spiritual city. It's a really, really amazing city with uh, such uh, abundant, relig- not non-theistic, generally speaking, religious life. Though I did visit a few kind of ruined churches and things like that. Uh, what does that tell us? I think it was, uh, there was some famous prelate who said that if you, if you ever leave Christianity, you should become a pagan. And the reason for that is that uh, paganism and, and the ancient myths also will tell you something about the natural world. And, and the way that these myths came into being is because people were perceiving something about the world and they have a lot of uh, truth, truth-telling uh, capacity. And the difference with Christianity, it seems to me, is that Christianity is, as Lewis would say, a true myth. It is not, It has all the mythic qualities of the non-theistic religions, uh, but it also is incarnational and it also really happened and it also continues to happen today. So that's my view. It's a respectful view that I think, that I think points toward what I would call true religion. From Lex, dear Michael. First, I would like to say that I'm a big fan and appreciate everything you do. Thank you. I'm glad you said that first. Second, I've been thinking about how the Biden administration is holding over 300% more children in cages than Trump and couldn't help wonder if a third of these crimes against humanity made Trump Hitler. Does this make Biden Mao? These comparisons between the two seem endless. Thank you again. No, it doesn't because, I mean, actually in a way, sure, let's say that it does do that. Even worse than pointing out the hypocrisy and the double standard between Trump and Biden, think about the hypocrisy and the double standard between Hitler and Mao. Hitler, very, very, very bad guy. Did a lot of very, very, very bad things. Mao, very, very bad guy. Did very, very, very bad things. Awful totalitarian leaders of their country committed horrific crimes. You can wear a shirt with Mao's face on it. You can't wear a shirt with Hitler's face on it. I don't think you should wear a shirt with either face on it. But in this culture, we have defined one evil ideology as sort of the sole exclusive evil in politics and other evil ideologies we find fashionable. You could wear a shirt with Stalin on it. There are actual Stalinists around today. Che Guevara is the great example. You could, you could totally wear a shirt with Che Guevara's name. You'd be cool. You'd be on a college campus. So sure, you'd say, okay, well, Trump is Hitler and Biden's Mao, but it doesn't matter if you're Mao because, because Mao does not receive the opprobrium that he ought to in our culture. Last question from Dusty. Hey, Michael, with all this craziness going on in our country today, I find it extremely difficult to see the good things on the horizon. I know it's always darkest before dawn, but do you think we are fighting a losing battle in this country Or do you think the future is still bright? Thanks for being informative and willing to fight. Well, yeah, it's always darkest before dawn. It's always, uh, always darkest before it goes totally black. (laughs) So the question is, which way are we going? I am neither an optimist nor a pessimist. I have hope, which is a fact. It's a theological virtue and it's a fact. And here's my hope. I know that the story ends well. I know that my redeemer lives. I know that uh, good defeats evil in the end. Also, I know things are going to get very, very, very bad before that happens. And will that intersect with our lifetime? I don't know. I mean, there's a world in which the country gets way better for the next, I don't know, 50, 60 years. And then at that point, you know, it's not, ain't my problem anymore. Or there's a problem that it gets worse and worse and worse. And things don't get better for, I don't know, 100 years, 200 years, 300 years. Maybe they don't get better. But I I don't, I don't place my joys and my, my longings and that sort of thing. I do what I can for the day. And I, I place my, my hopes in eternal things. To quote a friend of mine from the Bronx, who is this great guy down there in the Bronx, he wears an I love Jesus hat, Baker, super cool guy. He says, I do my best buddy boy and God does the rest. Easy enough for me. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you on Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. Pavel Vidovsky, editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico, audio mixer, Mike Coramina, hair and makeup by Nika Geneva, and production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2021.
1: Hey everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Clavin Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Clavin Show and laugh your way through the fall of the Republic with me, Andrew Clavin.